just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. And if you've listened to me before, you might know by now that one of the things in life that I just, I don't, I don't like, I don't enjoy it. I do it. I do it. I need to do it. I, I do it. And that, that's, that's flying. I, I just hate being on an airplane. <laughs> and my wife is like, would you relax? I'm like, I, I am relaxed. Okay. This is as relaxed <laughs> as it gets. And I will say this, I, I've flown through some really bad storms. I've uh, flown on some smaller planes where you know the pilot. And I, um, the only thing worse than being on an airplane would, is being on an airplane where, where the pilot's like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? I've never seen this before. Not what you want to see. You want the pilot who looks at you and smiles and goes, relax, I've been through this. I got it. Well, we're going to talk about something. If you saw the title on the interview, it says fail proof, fail proof faith. Uh, say that five times fast. But if you're going to talk about you know, faith that, that survives, you, you, you want to be talking, you want someone piloting that particular topic who, who's, who's been through it, not someone who, who is just guessing or working off of, you know, notes from someone else's book. You want someone with experience. And I have got just uh, the, the perfect guest today. Uh, she's been on the Life Today broadcast show um, multiple times. I've had the pleasure of interviewing her. Uh, and she's got a new book out called A Faith That Will Not Fail. My guest is Michelle Cushat. And when she says that in the title, that is a big, bold claim. But I can tell you, she's piloted through some storms. So you're going to hear about that. We appreciate you guys being here. Chat is open if you're on a chat-enabled channel. Hello, Loretta. I see you out there. Uh, and feel free to be a part of the conversation. Michelle, great to have you on. This is the first time, I, is this the first time you've been on Life Today Live, the whole internet thing? I believe so. I think the last time you and I had a conversation was in the studio yeah, right yeah. before COVID. So <laughs> end, end of 2019, oh. right before the world fell apart. <laughs> yeah. And I started this uh, January 2020 uh, book yeah. with guests right before COVID, which actually worked out really nice for me. I, yeah. I mean, how fortuitous, right? So Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if there are any coincidences with God, but wh yeah. however you want to look at it. How are you doing, by the way? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. As good as I can be with it being summer and having a bunch of teenagers in my house. And, you know, it's chaos. It's wonderful, though. And, and I, you know, forgive me for not doing the full research. Is your health, has your health been good? Yeah. So I'm still cancer free and we can talk more about that later. I've had cancer three times, but I'm still cancer free at the moment. I, I have ongoing, um, I basically have a permanent physical disability and ongoing uh, difficulties with pain management and functionality. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with me, I've had cancer of the tongue three times. And so talking, eating, swallowing is very, very difficult and gets harder the older I get. But uh, I woke up today and I had breakfast and I am breathing. And so we'll just take that as a win. Well, and to, to, to tie that into the book, I mean... <laughs> That's a faith tester. Not, yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, and, and not yeah. just like, you know, I mean, obviously like the initial diagnosis, the, the mm -hmm. whatever treatment you're doing. I mean, that that's all difficult. Yeah. But it's it's like there's a daily reminder yes. in the pain. I mean, 
hell? Every day, multiple times a day. And that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's an interesting thing because we eat three times a day. <laughs> those of us in uh, the American Western kind of world, we kind of count on our three meals a day. Some of us eat plenty of snacks too. So I'm guaranteed that at least several times a day, I have to come face to face with my limitations <laughs> and I have to come face to face with pain. And so what do you do with that, right? This is not just like right. it's a, a one-time thing that I'll get over. This is ongoing until I meet Jesus. It's going to be like this. It is. And, and that's why I think this is interesting. I mean, you're, you offer practical steps to mm-hmm. kind of foolproof your faith. Uh, and, and these are things you've done, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The 10 practices in the book, by the way, are I had two criteria for them. First of all, uh, they had to be something I actually use. I, I don't have much tolerance for people. One good or, or maybe bad thing about going through lots of suffering is you have very little tolerance for fluff. Yeah. <laughs> I have no tolerance for people that you know spout cliches but don't actually live in the trenches and so these practices were things if they didn't work for me if i didn't use them they didn't make it in the book because i'm not going to talk about something that didn't actually work for me so there are practices that i used and that works but then they also had some kind of biblical precedent so i'm a a lover of scripture and good theology and so they had to have some kind of precedent so those are kind of the two refining fires i put all of these pages through and if they didn't make it through the fire they didn't land on the page yeah and you know i mean to be fair sometimes when people are writing about things i mean you can take an academic approach uh Mm -hmm. and 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 do your best and you may be right uh but You don't really know till you get out there, you know. Yeah, um, you don't. <laughs> to, to back to my airplane analogy, there is such thing as a test flight and a test pilot. Uh, I would never be on any either of those. <laughs> no, not a chance. Um, but I mean, you've you've unfortunately not had the choice. You've you've had to. Yeah, I had a choice. Test pilot these things. Um, yeah, and not once, but multiple times. Like my three-time cancer journey. And by the way, it's hard enough having cancer once. Mm. Um, but when it comes back a second and a third time, it's next level. It's a whole different experience because all of a sudden now you realize you're on borrowed time all the time. Mm. But I haven't just had cancer. I've had an unexpected, I was in ministry, unexpected divorce from a pastor. I've had blended family, step family. We have foster adopted three kids from trauma. And those are just the big things. We're not talking about, you know, losing, a, I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer, church conflict, all other kinds of just normal daily heart things. So um, we're not talking that this was just a season that I just had to gut it out. We're talking 30 years of unrelenting challenge. And so either faith is going to work or it's not. Like I've had to wrestle with it. Either God is real or he's not. I'm not messing around anymore. And so I take a very no-nonsense approach, but also want to make it very accessible to the person that's in the trenches because that's where a lot of you are. You're in the trenches. You don't need academic language. You need a lifeline. <laughs> yeah. were, were there times of doubt for you? Oh, were, yes, multiple <laughs> times. Uh, I want to normalize doubt. I think that's part, I, I said something to a friend recently. Um, the fact that we go, when we find ourselves in a place of wrestling with our faith or doubting, that actually means that faith is important to you. If it wasn't important to you, you wouldn't be wrestling and doubting. That's mm. a good sign. Mm. 
And two, wrestling is actually the means to a deeper faith. So rather than resist it or feel ashamed by it or pull away from it, we actually need to lean into the resistance because it's actually the very mechanism that God uses to deepen and build your faith. Uh, you know, I, I love that you say that. I've, I've, I, people poop on Thomas, doubting Thomas all the time. And I'm like, he's the one that Jesus showed up for and said, look, touch. I mean, yeah, touch. to me, there's, there is something and, and, I, and I think there's a healthy doubt and an unhealthy doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one that says, you know, Jesus, I need to see you for myself is the good kind. You know, I'm not just going to totally go agree. by what everybody else says, what this expert says or what this. I need to see it for myself. And it's a story of my life. I mean, I grew up with an evangelist father and, you know, all sorts of things, and mainly good, but I mean, a lot of people that got messed up came to my dad, so yeah. I saw behind the curtain real fast. Mm-hmm. And you, you get to a point and you go, okay, I, I got to I, I gotta know this for myself. I got to see some mm-hmm. things for myself. Um, so I, I, I appreciate that, that kind of thing. Um, you, mentioned, you mentioned shame, too, and I know, because yes. to, to me this is tied, because the church will shame you for doubting sometimes. Yes, they will. But yes, they will. There's a whole other, I think, shame that comes when, when our faith isn't perfect. Mm. Do, do, yes. Have you struggled with with any of that at all, ever? Well, absolutely. I think um, for those of us who kind of grew up in a faith, a more conservative faith tradition, we really felt a lot of pressure to get it right. Like to do all the right things, to check the boxes, to be like, and even at some level, I mean, I love God. I love Jesus. I want to honor him in the way that I live and, and in the way that I believe. Yeah. Um, the challenge is, is that can become very performative, Yeah. right? Yeah. So when we feel that we need to be perfect in the way that we believe and have faith and we feel somehow shame that it's not perfect, we are caught in this performative gospel, which really isn't a gospel, mm. right? Mm. The gospel came to save us living and breathing humans who are in progress. And if there's one thing we gain from the Old Testament narratives and the stories is that God chose Abraham and Moses and Noah and all these people who were so flawed. And so it wasn't about their perfect faith. It was their belief in the God who was perfect. That's the key, that they believed in him, they believed he was good, and they trusted him. That's what it took for them to have a faith that will not fail, not their own performance. Well, yeah, I mean, you you don't have to go far in Scripture no. to find someone who you look at and you go, they had like little to no faith, and and yet God did great things uh, mm-hmm. in, in their lives. Um, I'm curious— when we talk about um, the, the embarrassment and the shame that come from being real sometimes, um, do, would, uh, how do I put this? Without, I, I don't know. Some people in my audience, if, if you don't like the way I ask this question, uh, that's fine. Did you deal with uh, people doubting your faith because you had cancer? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> this is always a little painful to say. Um, this was somewhat shocking. But whenever I share this, I hear from somebody else in the room who says, they've done that to me too. So I'm going to share this here. Um, when I 
uh, got cancer the first time, I didn't feel it so much. But when cancer came back the second and the third time, I actually had a woman at a speaking event that waited for me to get done speaking. And when I got done speaking and walked to the back of the massive auditorium arena, it was just a massive room that had like, I don't know, one, 2,000 people. Um, she grabbed me and she said, aren't you tired of this? Mm. And I said, what? And she goes, aren't you tired of getting cancer? If you were really tired of this, you would do something different. <laughs> Right. And then she proceeded to try to sell me some essential oils, which was very nice and thoughtful of her. <laughs> <laughs> this is so sad, right? I also have people write me and tell me that when I decided to have dessert on my birthday, that I was going to cause cancer to come back, all those things. Mm -hmm. Behind it, the point is, is that somehow my behavior or my lack of faith or my prayer life or whatever had not been good enough for cancer to not come back a second and third time. They were implying, you know, very overtly sometimes that my diagnoses were my own fault. Yeah. And that if I would just do A, B, and C, bad things wouldn't happen. And that, let me tell you, for somebody who is suffering, that's a horrible weight to put on their shoulders. Oh, yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And the scripture does not support it, just so you know. There's like no evidence that um, all of it is on our shoulders. Our Everything that happens to us is our own fault or, you know, vice versa. If we're blessed, that we must have done everything right. That's not how it works. Well, I, I mean, you, you know, my sister died of cancer. Um, uh -huh. We talked about this, but... Uh, you, I'm guessing, I mean, I'm pretty safe. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, you know, put my paycheck on it. That when you, probably first time you got cancer, but definitely when it came back, you looked, you did a good examination of everything you everything. put in your body, put on your <laughs> yes. body, and you went through it all, and, and you mm -hmm. made any adjustments that you felt like you could mm -hmm. make. Yeah. Yes. Before I even got the first diagnosis, I was a half marathon runner. I did multiple triathlons. I was uber healthy all the time. After the second diagnosis, let me tell you, I went on gluten-free, dairy-free, high greens, vegetables, mm -hmm. lots of supplements, mm -hmm. um, eliminated all the bad things, cut out sugar, all of that. And then cancer came back in seven months. Mm. <laughs> So I'm not saying that those healthy practices aren't good stewardship of our body. They are. Um, but at somewhere along the line, when we start doing these things, we think that we have more control than we do. Yeah. And we start thinking, if I can just do the equation right, my life is going to be okay. But we forget that this life is not all there is. So what if there's a greater story that's being written here? Yeah. That's more than just my reality. And maybe I don't have as much control as I think, and that's okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and let's be honest, if refined sugar killed people, we'd all be dead. I mean. <laughs> Americans first and foremost. But, yeah, right. We'd be the first off the planet. And, and again, I, I know that it can do, certain things can do damage, but I also know that people's body bodies react differently. Mm -hmm. You know, what one person can, there's, there's a guy that works here that eats junk food basically for lunch every day I mean, you know yes. i don't even go and and he's skinny as a rail and i'm like right. man I, I smell a french fry i gain a pound you know yeah. it's just there's just we're not all formulaic from a health standpoint here's i think the even deeper thing uh and and that is the the idea that if you're not healed um or you're not healthy that it's a reflection 
always mm. of your spiritual mm. life. And I know they're intertwined, so I, I can probably point to cases and go, okay, there is something going on here. But, I mean, you, you're... Hmm. Is your is, is your is your faith enough to heal you, Michelle? You know what I mean, right? <laughs> yes, I know, right? Um, behind those questions are what we want is we want agency. We want to have control. We want to somehow be the ones able to rub the genie's lamp and get the genie to grant us three wishes. Yeah. And so behind all of these questions and stuff like that, I also think is a challenge of posture. Mm. Um, we, you know, forget that God is God and we are not. Is my faith enough to heal me? Um, my faith is in, my faith, um, as small as a mustard seed, <laughs> is all that's required. It's not the quantity. Of Tim, the late Tim Keller said that it's not the quality or quantity of your faith, but the object of your faith that really saves you. Oh, that's good. And the object of my faith is Jesus. That's what saves me. It's not me being a mighty woman of faith. It's the fact that he is the object of my faith that saves me, as big or small as my faith is. And that's what I need to remember. It's it's really all about him. It's not about me. I I, I love how you put that because you're exactly right. Uh, and the mustard seed is just a little, and it's not... It, it, God can do a little with a, or a lot with a little, you know? A lot with a little, yeah. Um, and let's talk, let me add one more little point yeah, here. sure. The fact that God didn't heal me the first time or the second time or that the cancer came back, he may have healed me. Again, I don't know. I don't know all that. Mm. But the fact that cancer didn't go away after the first time has actually been um, the direct impetus for the kind of faith that has led me to be able to stand here with you today and talk about the subject. Mm -hmm. like it's been the formative soil that actually grew the faith that is today. And so from that st standpoint, my faith healed me spiritually, even if it didn't heal me physically. And last I check, isn't that the more important thing? That's the more, and what a miracle is that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Jesus said, don't fear those who can harm the body, but the one who, you know, holds your eternity in his hands. That's really the key. And God has done a better healing in me than my physical healing. You know, when they cut the hole in the roof and lowered the guy down in front of Jesus uh, because he couldn't walk and his friends wanted him to be healed. Mm -hmm. Uh, what did Jesus do? Do you remember what he said first? I'm putting you on the spot here. I'll just say, I know I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Um, well, it's obvious a guy's lowered through the roof. He can't uh -huh. walk. It's obvious. Uh -huh. And Jesus had been healing people. It's obvious why they put him in front of him. Yeah. But Jesus, do you say, do you want to be well? No, that's a different one. That's got that to be cool. a different one. Okay. Yeah. No, he says, your sins are forgiven. Oh, yes. Because that's a bigger healing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at some level, Jesus is like, anybody can tell this guy to walk, but who's going to forgive sins? Exactly right. And so he right? did. And then he, and then he said, all right, you know, get up and he healed him but healing is only temporary forgiveness of sins is eternal exactly at some point in time all of us are not going to get the healing we want exactly right all of us at some point in time our prayer for healing will not be answered the way we want and you know it's you, just a matter of time if, if you tie that to your faith then your faith will fail eventually guaranteed exactly this is really the key our faith has to be not in an outcome it has to be in a person 
Mm-hmm. And if our faith is in an outcome, we will be disappointed and our faith will fail. If our faith is in a person, hope will not disappoint us and we will be healed and we will be saved. All right. Uh, you've got these 10 practices. And I want to hear uh, get, you pick whatever one or two that you want to share in the few minutes we got left. I'll show people the book again real quick. This is A Faith That Will Not Fail by Michelle Cushat. You can go to michellecushat.com. That's Michelle with one L, Cushat. Uh, C-U-S-H-A-T-T.com for those of you listening on the audio. Um, but walk us through, I don't know, which whichever ones you want because they're all good, uh, just to give people something to yeah. kind of hang their hat on. So I told you I have these 10 practices, and they were all things that worked for me. I'm going to start with the first one because I think it's often the one that we neglect in the Christian church as we try to appear as if we're full of faith. We neglect this first practice. And it's a practice of lament, Hmm. allowing ourselves to grieve. So lament is very simply the vocalization of grief. It's it's telling the truth about our pain. It's expressing it to God, telling God about our sadness, our grief, our losses, even our anger and doubt at times, but giving voice to it. This is why I think it's so important. God already knows our emotions. He already knows how we feel. He knows our grief. But when we refuse to give voice to it, when we refuse to acknowledge it, we somehow stuff it down and we start performing. We start pretending that everything is fine when it's not. Mm -hmm. When we slip into performative faith, we lose connection with God and we lose connection with ourselves. Mm -hmm. If we want healing, we have to acknowledge the wound and then the Savior can heal. And that's what the practice of lament helps us do. Do you think that is an obstacle for people that look at the church from the outside uh, and they see sort of this polished image um, mm-hmm. of, of a perfect, or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're hurting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suspect that we may be missing some people by not inviting them in to lament. Yeah, inviting them into the struggle. I think that's why the church is often called a place full of hypocrites because we're pretending. We're not telling the truth about our pain. Uh, And I'm just a huge believer in the fact that, um, you know, if if all we have to sell the world is our own polished and shiny selves, then no wonder nobody's buying. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because at the end of the day, we're all tarnished. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) it's going to show up eventually. Um, So, another question for you, because um, I know this this is a difficult for anyone who's suffering daily, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. some 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 people. Maybe it's, I know Judy, who's watching right now, suffers chronic pain on a daily basis, um, and just the 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 whole mm. questioning. You know, why why doesn't healing come? It mm-hmm. can make you want to completely give up. Yeah, uh, and some people do. It, and you know, and how do you how do you keep going? How do you live a life of surrender without totally given up yes that's such a good question it is hard and let me tell you there have been times i've wanted to give up too there was a really particularly dark season after my third diagnosis where the reality of my losses living with this very broken body now that doesn't work and um and even the constant uncertainty if i'm going to live a full life or not made me despair of life where I really was like, God, I can't bear this anymore. Take my life. Like you, I just said, take my life. I don't want to live. So I get that. And I think it's so important that 
we tend to think uh, we either need to succumb to our pain or we need to stuff our pain and hang on to joy or you know possibility or belief and i think they're actually simultaneous not sequential not separate mm -hmm. and this is what i mean we need to hold the truth of our harsh reality our current reality in one hand and then we hold the truth of future promise in the other hand see i live with pain every day i'm in pain right now as i talk talking super difficult and painful i i get the pain and there are days i'm in tears from the pain so i so understand but i also know and i believe that someday jesus is coming for me uh, he said i will not leave you as orphans i will come for you mm -hmm. He's going to come for me. And when he does, and he takes me home to be with him, um, there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new body. And I will be in an instant healed and the pain will be gone. And let me tell you, my joy in that fullness will be even greater than those people who have never had my pain. Because mm -hmm. I will know how far he has healed me. Mm -hmm. I hold that in tandem all the time that some, this is my current reality. And I weep with that. There are, I've already had tears this morning. I weep with that, but I also know that Jesus is coming for me and someday he's going to make it all whole and I hold them in tandem. And that's the only way I can get through. That's a, that's a tough way to live, but I, I think maybe it's a little, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is all theory for me. You'll find out real fast. <laughs> I think it's a little like uh, the the pain of childbirth, yeah, which yeah. if if men had to give birth, there'd be a lot of only child families, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you know, my wife brought four beautiful kids into this world. I don't know how you do it uh, multiple times, mm -hmm. but you know what? She doesn't the the that pain, the joy. The joy outweighs the pain so much that I mean, she, never, she didn't give it a thought. She didn't give it a thought. And so. I don't have to wait for heaven for the full realization of that. Even right now, mm -hmm. I mean, even as you and I are talking here, Randy, I am I am receiving some of God's miraculous redemption of my losses mm -hmm. and simply being able to share this conversation. And that's true for all of us. We don't have to wait for heaven for some of our losses to be redeemed. God will redeem them in small ways day by day, even as we walk out this painful life. Yeah. And that gives us a, a taste of the kingdom has come right now here on earth. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, you're ministering to someone here live right now. I know. Uh, and there's probably others that are watching that aren't jumping in the chat or not in chat enabled. And there are many others that will watch this later. And, and so, I mean, you're, I hate that. I feel like I should just ask you yes, no questions because it's like, oh man, I'm, she's in pain just talking. No, it's but, <laughs> but still, the, the fact that you're able to bring a little heaven into someone's hell today mm -hmm. is, is, I mean, it's an honor. I mean, I think God looks at that in a big, favorable way. Um, it's, uh, it may just be the sacrifice of praise, right? And this is true for all of us, Randy. You, you talked about losing your sister. You talk about that, and it is redeeming your losses even while it's comforting somebody else mm -hmm. in theirs. We see that in First Corinthians, that we comfort with the comfort we ourselves have received. Um, we see it in so many different places where by some miracle, God uses the things that should have devastated us mm -hmm. to deliver 
little bits of life and healing to other people. It shouldn't happen, and yet it does mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. All right. You, you can, a simple yes or no will suffice if you want. Is it possible to have a faith that will not fail? Mm. Well, all I can say is Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. That is the prayer that Jesus has prayed for us. He prayed it for Peter. He prays it for us. And if Jesus prayed it, I believe it. What do you do when you feel like your faith has failed? (laughs) I go to the author and finisher of my faith and trust that what he began in me will be carried to completion, period. I can't say it any better than that. And that that is, that's like straight out of scripture and Mm -hmm. Jesus' mouth kind of truth. Ooh, it's good. Okay, Michelle, is there anything, um, by the way, Judy says she is praying for you, Michelle. So Judy oh, in her you, pain Judy. has been mm-hmm. blessed by you and your pain. And <laughs> we'll pray for you. I mean, you That's know. That's the upside down gospel. He does it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? Thank you so much. Um, uh, uh, the, the only last thing is Hebrews 12, 1 says that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, we press on to finish the race set before us. And I love that whole thing that we are in a cloud of witnesses, all of us, those who have gone before, those who are here now, those who will come. We're in this together. Mm. And so we cheer each other on all the way to the finish line when we finally meet Jesus and everything's whole. There's hope for you, even if you're in pain. And I know some of you are. And and I weep with you is the best I can do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to follow up with Michelle, uh, this is the book of faith that will not fail. Uh, you can also go to her website, michellecashotten.com, on the screen. Uh, and I'll show that to you so you know you're in the right place. looks just like that. And, oh, there's the book thing. Let me hide that. There you go. There's her beautiful face helping you find your way exactly where you are. And mm-hmm. what a wonderful thing. Someone who will walk with you uh, in your tough times because she's walked them so michelle uh sure appreciate you thank you so much for being with us thank you randy appreciate you guys out there watching if you know someone needs a little hope especially someone who's in pain you know uh, someone who maybe their faith is not where they want it to be um hit that share button share a little hope with them today and if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed do that now uh i really hope that i bring a lot of encouragement to you and that's why i bring people like michelle on so appreciate you Appreciate you being here. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.